Welcome, dear listeners, to the thrilling finale of our podcast episode, Fixburg, written by Austin DR. And this particular episode saw me recording it twice. <laughs> so nice I did it twice, mainly because I had catastrophic failure on my project. But that's okay. I'm dedicated to uploading an episode on the Monday. I'm not going to let you guys miss out. But I digress. And in this final episode, where webs of intrigue and shadows of deception have led us at the heart of an ancient mystery, where it's seen us delve into the depths of our tale, dodging and ducking the tangled threads of fate, for they weave a narrative both captivating and perilous. In our journey thus far, we've encountered crazy spider innkeepers, monstrous women who eat people whole. We've learnt about Ihort, whose whispers echo through the darkness, and the befriending of Narkisa, whose charms are as beguiling as they are, mysterious. But in this final chapter, secrets will be unveiled, alliances tested, and the true nature of our character laid bare. So grab your torches and steal your nerves as we embark on this adventure of twists, turns, with a sprinkling and seasoning of arachnid flavor. For in the shadowed corners of our mind, where reality meets myth, anything is possible. Who knows? You might just find yourself caught in a web of madness amidst this darkness. So join me now as we unravel the final strands of our tale. And remember, dear listeners, to watch your step. You never know what might be lurking just beyond the veil of perception. Welcome to the grand finale of Vicksburg. Let our adventure begin. Chapter 7 I let Nakita lead the way, happy that she knew the layouts of the town. Throughout the whole secret of walk, we did not speak a word to each other. The air around us became thick enough to slice with a knife. After about two seconds into it, I tried to break the ice. So, we have been traveling for a while, haven't we? She did not respond. That night was especially breathtaking though. The moon was in close proximity to the earth, resembling a polished pearl. Nikisa used the light radiating from the celestial body and led me further away from the town and into the rough thickets of the woods. The forest was completely bereft of noise. No owls screeched in the night. If there were crickets, they were deathly silent. Nikisa gently tugged my arm deeper in the neck of the woods until we stopped at a cave. At the entrance, Nikisa withdrew a torch and lit it. She then beckoned me inside. I was not thrilled to be entering into a dreary, claustrophobic area, but those cultists could still be on our track. Soaking in my fears, I entered the cold and dreary cave. A pungent, repulsive smell, that of decaying matter, drifted from the entrance. The odor of ages long past was not lost on me. I stared at Nikisa, wondering how she was holding up, but she was unbothered. Let's go. We don't have much time to waste. She flicked her finger through her bangs before leading me further into the maw of the cave. It was silent aside from our footsteps and the soft dripping of moisture in the distance. 
Water sparkled on the stalactites like beads of diamonds and trickled into an underground pool. I confused the stalagmites for razor-jagged teeth from the erosion over the years. Behind us, the entrance disappeared into the void as shadows encased us. The wind whistled into the cave, adding on to the ambience. If I was being accurate with my description, I could have sworn I heard the cavern breathe. And the cavernous walls appeared to twist and contract like a living creature. My paranoia became flared. I wanted nothing more to leave, but the exit was nowhere to be seen. Besides, if I left on my own volition, I would have become stranded and made to wander in the dark until the end of time. My breathing hazed and goosebumps flared on the surface of my skin. Fluid fell on my shoulders from the selectites, making me wriggle in displeasure. Eventually, Narkisa led me to an opening. What is this place? Narkisa didn't reply, merely goading me in with her finger. Seeing no reason to doubt her, I entered the area. The secret location was decked in heavy sheets of cobwebs which dangled down from the ceiling. It was also inexplicably damp, and the disgusting, putrid scent of decay was even more prominent. My eyes settled on discarded skeletons with their wrists restrained in chains protruding from the walls. They were likely down here for centuries, judging from their aged, worn features. Whatever they had witnessed, they died in total fright. Their lower jaws were stretched as far as humanly possible to where they became unhinged. Over the years, the only thing keeping them suspended was the webbing. The more I soaked in my surroundings, I became aware of the purpose the location served. There was a huge slab situated in front of the bottomless pit at the base of the cave. Arms made from wedges of stone stretched from the structure. Dried blood and viscera was stained on the flat surface of the instrument. I desperately looked at Narkisa with the hopes she was as confused as I was. However, instead of a detection of fear, Narkisa's facial expression shifted to one that was apathetic to the whole thing. I watched her stride over and light a crucible underneath the stone lamp. The gaseous, nauseating fumes wafted in the air, smelling like rotten flesh and scorched ashes. Her once beautiful, hypnotizing eyes transitioned to a pale blue, as if her energy was sucked from her body. Hundreds of years ago, the great old one Ihort first manifested in the town of Vicksburg. This cave is the exact place that, according to folktales, a woman who came from an impoverished upbringing made a deal to the gods for eternal beauty and youth. Narkisa, what are you suggesting? I felt a wet, slick object grasped my shoulders. The cultists' voices gurgled and wheezed. Before I could try to fight back, two of the worshippers lifted me off the ground and directed me to the stone slab. I kicked and thrashed. I flailed my arms around. Nothing happened. They tossed me on the hard surface with such force I felt my spine buckle. My wrists were tightly tied at the arms of the instrument and the ropes ate into the tender flesh. 
Narkisa stared at me for a few seconds. She was no longer the woman I thought I knew for a duration of my stay in Vicksburg. She just strolled over, kneeling and staring at the primitive skeletons. And once again, my god will have a sacrifice. Sacrifice. The word bounced around in my head. Everything has happened so fast. You know an awful lot about that myth. She laughed. (laughs) Well, yes. After all, how old do you think I am? I strained against the tight binds to no avail. The town and its conditions, it's always you. Hundreds of years ago, the town of Vicksburg was once a prosperous area. It was a massive trading town where corn, pumpkin, fabric, you name it, were traded and sold. I was born to a poor family, but I was considered the fairest of the town. Of those, a nobleman took a liking. After meeting him on several nights, he popped the question to me, and I said yes. I grunted under my breath. Then why did you betray your own family? What do you think is the one fear that all humans share? Nakisa asked, though it was clear she did not care what my answer was. Death. Humans have had several accomplishments when they crawled out from the festering primordial cesspool. And yet, despite all those achievements, the one thing that they failed to conquer was death. She casually pried the skull off a skeleton and flicked her fingers through the jawbones. I knew that one day I would die, but I couldn't live with that harsh truth. Not someone who is as gorgeous as me. Nikita tossed the skull aside and spoke to the cultists. You think that you saved me from earlier. Don't you realize that the people of Vicksburg follow my commands? Then that means Walter, her eyebrows perked, is dead. That should be obvious. I thought you of all people would be more intuitive. He was but a sacrifice, one I lured. That explains why I was told to come here. So the dating game? Nikisa hushed me. Eruz, sweetheart, how else was I supposed to meet up with you? The cultists backed away from me and collapsed on their knees in a praying stance. My fear of death became so great, I called on the god of the labyrinth to grant me eternity, which he did. However, I had neglected the fact that Ihort himself had his own terms. He asked me to foster his brood. Not thinking much about it, I accepted. They are squirming around within me as we speak, in a larval state. But once I realized his brood would eat their way out of my body, It was then that the truth became clear. He merely extended my lifespan, but in order to avoid missing his quota, I had to resort to drastic measures. Your husband and kids, how could you? Necessary sacrifices. After them, I did the same process to the rest of the town. Some would go missing for weeks From the inside out. Curiously, the broodlings acquired memories of their hosts, sometimes effortlessly mimicking their voices. 
I saw that happen with the young 32-year-old I lured. The brutally demonstrated mannerisms he himself had. Perhaps when a host perishes, they are never truly gone, but exist as bodiless spirits attached to the broodlings. It made a considerable amount of sense despite the bizarre nature. The hotel worker and the woman he met at the dating game, their essences were still present within these anomalies, and they were crying for release. Nikita cleared her throat and walked over to caress my cheek. Shane, you were really nice. <laughs> she chuckled again. Eventually, in my haste to stay alive, I accidentally destroyed the town. I tried any solution I could think of, like introducing interbreeding among the broodlings. But after a few centuries, that was not enough. What? Are you getting out of helping an old one? You know the risks these unspeakable monstrosities have for the earth. The god of the labyrinth shall once again be free to rule this world. I intend on becoming a lower royalty once the ancient crypts are opened. I already have served Ihort faithfully as his high priestess for centuries. I am not some lowly, weak, insignificant human. I have ascended to godhood, and I believe I deserve my dues. Wouldn't you? My eyebrows furrowed. After I comforted you about the abuse you suffered. You believe that story? <laughs> Nikesa's chuckling became louder and echoed throughout the cave. Gods, you are as pathetic as all those other humans I tricked into loving me. I snarled. You'll never get away with this. I will escape and tell Jackie's all about what I learned. This town will be demolished faster than you can even blink. Narcissa's grin stretched around her ears. Need I remind you that the broodling follow my commands because of the spawn that are swimming in my stomach? Through Ihort, I have eyes all over the scope of this world. Let's just say he was paid a very special visit. I wanted to say more. Perhaps call Narcissa every name under the sun, but I froze when a series of tremors shook the cave to its very core. Narcissa manically snickered at me, relishing in how utterly defenseless I was. Now, time for you to make the choice so many before you have. My fear bubbled from the deepest regions of my stomach, but there was no one present who could help me. The ceiling quaked as a series of cracks formed. Stalactites of varying sizes crumbled and fell around me. It was as if legions of freight trains collided all at once in a massive collision of biblical proportions. And then I caught a glimpse of those legs. Hundreds of thousands of rigid, bony legs rose out of the hole, scraping and clawing the ground for leverage. Larger than a public bus, beads of sweat trickled down my forehead. The color drained from my eyes. Eyes upon eyes where such features should not reasonably be. Peepers so horridly massive, they eclipsed the eyes of the largest known species on this planet. Its pale, gelatinous mass bubbled to the surface, resembling a disgusting, pus-filled pimple, and its abdomen. Good God, its abdomen. It was shaped like some overgrown olive with eyes bulging all over every surface of its great body. The god of the labyrinth towered over me with his unholy glory. My blood ran cold, and I was at a loss for words. 
Ihort moved in an abnormal, hypnotizing motion, swaying back and forth with a nary a bone to be found on its gelatinous build. I immediately understood what Narkisa meant when she said she had eyes throughout the world. The multi-legged abomination's labyrinth expanded across the globe, granting it the illusion of being omnipresent. At any time, some hapless sap could end up lost in the cavernous walls and encounter this old one. It unnerved me how easy it was. Narkisa cackled, her smile becoming more twisted. I have done what you've requested of me, my god. Please, bestow me with your blessings. Ihort shifted its many eyeballs to what I assume was his chest. It spoke with the same gravelly, gurgled voice its offspring shared. Its voice was not what I was expecting for a creature as huge as a boulder. Its tone was distant, bizarrely cordial. Despite its terribleness, the pale god was patient, unspeakably so. I'm afraid you misunderstand, mortal. Your time as my high priest has reached an unfortunate end. Narkis's eyes widened in horror. But, my lord, have I not faithfully served you for centuries? I have provided you with the best sacrifices to meet your quota. You are such an insignificant, incompetent waste of filth. Something shifted within Ihort's indescribable mass, stretching and twisting indefinitely into itself, forming a colossal fist. You have forgotten your place, human. You may have extended life in comparison to the rest of your kind. But you also forget who it is who can take it away. Narkisa clasped her hands together in deep prayer. No, Ihort, please. I am sorry for speaking out of turn. Please, let me serve you for eternity. I will kill whoever I have to in your name if you just... Without warning, Nakisa keeled forward, grimacing. Her eyes bulged upon the realization of what was happening to her. Dozens of Ihort's brood squirmed and wriggled from within her body, ruffling her outer skin. She clutched her midsection between her arms, letting rip a haunting, agony-filled moan. Yet, no matter how much she begged, her desperation fell on deaf ears. Narkisa's face contorted into a twisted scowl, with ludicrous tears streaming down. No, my lord! A deathly cough started to choke her out. <coughs> Gagging profusely, streams of white, spindly critters wriggled free. Her eyes disintegrated as the insidious creatures chewed their way out. Her sobs of pain transitioned to wet squelches and tearing of flesh. The brood slashed their way through her lungs and turned them to slush along with her other vital organs. Narkisa's once glamorous, flawless skin bubbled and popped as thousands of spawn made a mad dash. Even her skeleton dissolved into more nutrients for the hungry infants. Within three agonizing moments, Narkisa was gone. All that was left of her 
were her favorite dress and ear piercings. I struggled to breathe after being bare to witness Nakisa suffer a form of divine punishment. However, I faced the horrific reality that I was now alone with her murderer. Ihor's arm twisted and shifted, moving from one side of his body to the other, as if he was contemplating when an appropriate time was to drop its mass on me. Its myriad of eyes settled on me, even without the old one talking. I knew how lowly he thought of me. Fear not, my dear human. It whispered, once more its voice sounding soothing, but I realized that it was not because of true benevolence, but rather manipulation. I shall give you an offer, and I am certain that you will not choose poorly. Everything that I thought I knew disappeared in an instant. We, as humans, were so convinced of our place in the universe but there existed things, horrible, reality-breaking things, things that no one of sound mind should fathom or search for truly existed. We are but a speck of dust in the grand scheme of things, and the old ones thirst for release. My lips were dry. I did not know what I should say at that moment. My options were limited considerably. Should I agree and allow Ihort to gestate me with his offspring? I don't think I would be getting off that easily, judging by what happened to Narkisa. But seeing that titanic fist hovering above me, swinging back and forth like a pendulum, was also a situation I wanted to avoid at all costs. <laughs> Chosen? My mind worked into overdrive to comprehend the offer. That must have been what Nakisa was. If so, if that entails sacrificing the life of someone else for my own safety, was not only an irredeemable act, but also very cowardly. <sighs> After mulling it over, I came to a decision. I think I know what I want. The finale, written by Austin DR. Mates, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was a lot of fun and you enjoyed the body horror aspect. What would you choose? To be a chosen or to be crushed to death? <laughs> Pop it in the comments if you get a chance. I'm keen to know. For me, I would definitely choose being a chosen. But the fact is, you know, I've got to kill people, which is terrible. So how do I, you know come to grips with my new reality, I think what I'd do is I'd use that closeness to find an opportunity to strike them, to wound them, to possibly even kill them. Who best to take them out than the one that can reach under its defenses and take it from within? That's what I'd probably do. I'd be the chosen one, but I'd definitely do my darnest to take a good hit at that god and take him out once and for all. But again, I'm keen to hear your thoughts. 
But dear listeners, who thought that Narkisa would be the person to portray our protagonist, huh? I had an inkling. I know you lovely ladies and gents, I got that so much from the emails and the comments sent my way. And I hope you enjoy this heart-pounding conclusion of our epic tale featuring the enigmatic spider god Ihort and the cunning antagonist Narkisa as the threads of their fate entangled our heroes in a web of intrigue, danger, and god explosions. (laughs) Either way, we bid this chapter adieu. And a big, big shout out to the author who wrote this masterpiece, Austin DR. It was a joy to read. Now fear not, the adventure doesn't end there. Stay tuned for more spine-tingling stories and fantastical escapades in future episodes. And I'm always just around the corner every Monday, you legends. And also, speaking of legends, thank you for your unwavering support and enthusiasm on this journey, this three-parter episode, actually. I'm immensely grateful for every single one of you that have joined in for this wild ride. Now keep your torch and your magic shining bright. If you've enjoyed this journey thus far and wish to support me in my endeavors and this podcast to keep on growing, consider becoming a patron on the Patreon page. Your contributions help me create engaging content and bring more fantastical worlds to life. To fantastic people, aka you lot. (laughs) And rest assured, your Dollary Dudes goes right back into production. I've been using Via for artificial intelligence to cut out all the noise, do my mastering. It's like having a one-button press for my audio suite unbelievable quality and thanks to patreon supporters i'm able to afford that and speaking of patreon you can find my page at www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt and now i want to thank my legends my awesome supporters first up is the ode night tea titan that puts a pep in my step grabs this podcast by its shorts and curlies hoists it onto a rocket and sends me to the moon Matto Legendary Starro, you are brilliant beyond comprehension. Your friendship and your support is astounding to me. And there's not a week that goes by that I'm not thanking my lucky stars that I met you and for your unrelenting support. You're brilliant. And I also hope you're feeling so, so much better. Here's me sending some virtual chicken soup your way, legend. Either way, get well fast, mate. And my white tea warlord... A leader of leaders, Lezucasaurus Rex, taking a chomp out of boredom, whose strength is not in numbers, but the sheer endurance and muscle-bound body of Lezucasaurus Rex. Mate, I hope you're having a fantastic week thus far. And thank you for your stalwart support, your kindness, and being such an epic person. Thank you for your support, Leza. Have a great week ahead of you. And to my brand new white tea warlord, Joseph Mabrosoph, <laughs> thank you immensely for choosing to up the ante in your tier of support by moving to white tea warlord status. I'm still soaked. I've got a pep in my step this entire month, I can guarantee you. It is lovely to have your kind of support. And with your dollar dues, I've actually bought some more plugins. You might have heard some new voices coming in today. They are a result of your support and all Patreon supporters. So thank you so much, Joseph. Have a kick-ass week ahead of you. And if you have any questions to me, feel free to send them my way via email or via the comments in my Patreon section. And that goes, of course, to every single Patreon that supports me. Thank you, Joseph. And my amazing Earl Grey Enforcers. 
the frontline defense against all things boring and lame. <laughs> I'm lucky to have Chad Warren, Just Heather, Sunshine Days, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffaele, Michelangelo Giacone, divided by zero. Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, Paige Kramer, Jane Gumnick, Michael Krupp, Jandy Prins, and Seductive Smiles. Cheers, you brilliant, brilliant people. Never forget how amazing you all are and how lovely you are. Your support means the world to me. Thank you so much. Lastly, if you want to reach me by any means, you can reach me via email under stories, fables, ghostly tales at gmail.com. That's stories, fables, ghostly tales at gmail.com. Now, pour your tea, make it nice, ensure your flavoring is precise. Like a story, let it flow. Let the fables and tales take you home. It's these stories that bring us together and old audio that reminds us of how we've changed. Stay a while, have a listen. And as always, I hope to see you again. And I'll catch you next Monday, Legends.